Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese podcast. Look, my dogs, you might hear my dogs a little bit today because me and our new puppy, Daisy, who we've had not quite for two months at this point, by the time this comes out for about two months, me and her had a little girl's getaway at my parents' house while I was trying on wedding dresses. I was doing my first official fitting of my wedding dress. So her and her brother have not seen each other in a few days and they went crazy. So hopefully they won't go crazy while we're, uh, while we're recording Maida, but I just want to give that heads up just in case. No worries. crazy. You're good. <laughs> but you know what? My guest today is Maida Garcia. We officially met at Podcast Movement in Denver last year. We did. and. You know, every time we talk about finances and everything, those always tend to get like the best views, but it's always from a standpoint of how to invest and what to do. But we really have not talked about how to get there, how to get debt free. So, or reduce your debt or debt free so you can be able to invest, right? Because if you still have debt, it makes like, how are you supposed to use any money to do that? Oops, look, I just freaking forgot to put my phone on silent when I always tell everybody. So I'm going to put it on. Do not disturb. Sorry, mom. Can't disturb me right now. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today. And Maida, you are a financial coach. You have a podcast. You talk about becoming debt-free because you have gone through this. I'm like, I need to go through this. Like, I think so many of us, right? There's more people than not that need to hear this, that need I this. I got you. Don't All worry right. about it. So welcome, Maida. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, you know, the first thing you're like, I don't know what you're going to ask me, but ask away. Girl, I don't even write questions down anymore because I feel like, what's the point? <laughs> Like, I just want it to be a real conversation. And, you know, I was talking to my friend earlier, my friend Yvonne, who has a podcast, Decide Balance, and she's all about meditation and everything. And I was saying, hey, when I ask these questions, is there ever a question you're like, oh, I wish I knew this. And then I ask it and she's like, oh, yeah, girl, that happens more than once. So I want to continue that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for yeah. it. I love that. <laughs> Whatever comes from your intuition, it's fine. Yes. Well, before we... Get into the cheese, Before we start on that, we always start with the wine. I don't know if you're having a glass tonight. Let me know if you are. Girl, okay, I see you reaching. What you drinking? Okay, okay. I made myself an espresso. I'm having a latte because I'm a coffee girl. I'm addicted to coffee. Um, so <laughs> I'm having an espresso, an actual latte. Nice. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I like I said, but I am drinking wine. Duh. <laughs> and I'm actually, so there's this, I don't know if you know, like every year and we didn't, I didn't see it this year. Costco has like this wines of the world. It's like an advent calendar. So last year we did it this year. My friend gave me this bottle and I was like, Oh, this must've come. She's this must've come from the wines of the world. She said it didn't, but it looks like it did, but this is called it's Modern Cabernet Sauvignon and it's from Bulgaria. Ooh. It's from the PGI Thracian Lowlands, Bulgaria. It says, while not widely known, Bulgaria's terrier, I don't know what the heck that says, terrier, is perfectly, oh my gosh, I need glasses now. I'm officially old, I need glasses. Perfectly suited for fine wine production. Yeah, whatever, I, that's what it says. So <laughs> I'm like, I, don't, I can't, I would need glasses. So I wish I had wine. Salud. Yeah, I don't have any wine right now, but I'm a little jealous. <laughs> okay, I'm tasting it, tasting it. I am a cab girl, I, but I love my California cabs. I will say that. Love my California cabs. 
This is a little bit lighter than, it's definitely a little bit lighter than a California cab. And you can really smell the alcohol on it. Like you can really smell it. Let me swirl it around a little bit. This is what I always suggest when you're smelling wine, even if you don't know what you're smelling, right? Pour it in your glass, smell it, then swirl it a little bit because that helps get more oxygen in smell it again. And usually it smells different. Hmm. Right? Isn't that crazy? That's a good tip. Yeah. So this, you can, I can still smell a little bit of the alcohol, but it's not the first thing I smell, right? Now I'm smelling like some boysenberry, some pepper. There's something else that I smell that I'm not quite sure about. I need to get my wine wheel out. Have you ever seen a wine wheel? No. Let me show you. Let's see if it'll allow me to show you. So this is a wine wheel. I don't know if it let me. I like. Uh, there we go. Uh, I have to be like at the perfect angle. Yeah. Anyways, I'm working on something with this. So yeah. a wine wheel basically gives you like the main the main characteristics of what wine would smell or taste like. So it has like herbaceous, nutty, caramel, woody, earthy, chemical, oxidized, microbiological. So if it's yeasty, lactic, anything like that, floral, spicy, and I already said fruity. So then within that, it tells you like, if it's citrus, it would be grapefruit or lemon. If it's berry, blackberry, raspberry, black currant. Uh, tree fruit, cherry, apricot, peach, apple, tropical fruit, lychee, pineapple, melon, banana, fruit that's dried or cooked, strawberry, jam, raisin, prune, fig. So as you're cooking, I always tell people like smell your herbs, right? Smell your herbs because it ends up getting kind of locked away. Smell your herbs, smell your fruit, all of that. And then a wine well definitely comes in handy. So you can be like, I'm not sure. And then you're looking at it and you're like, oh, black currant, which is like that black licorice type of, and you don't think like, I don't like black licorice. So that's never my first thought. And then sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I can kind of taste it. Right. Or, oh yeah, I'm not a grapefruit person. So I can smell and taste that immediately. But even like if it's current, like honey, butterscotch, butter, soy sauce, chocolate, molasses, like it gives you all of these tobacco, oak. So you can get it for like, I don't know, like $10, $12 on Amazon. Hmm. Very nice. And yeah. But I am working on something. I haven't, no, I can't say yet. Okay. But I am working on something to hopefully be able to help with this process. So let me read Maida's bio because she is a financial literacy education and coach on a mission to empower and motivate families to live a debt-free lifestyle. After spending years in debt, she started her debt-free journey in 2010 and was able to pay off her debt in 17 months. She's a wife and mother of two and is passionate about teaching financial literacy. She's the host of the Debt-Free Latina podcast and which she started in September of 2020. And we will get to some other things that other people that I know we have talked about, right? We talked about in Denver, but I want to start with in regards to, and I always think it's really important because we learn our relationship with money at a very young age from our parents. So what was your relationship, like your parents' relationship with money as you saw as a child? And how did that affect you as you started getting a little bit older, maybe within your first job and how you, how you use that money? Well, I vividly remember about 13 years old, our power got turned off. It wasn't because my mom didn't have the money because my mom did well. She was a nanny for a very rich family, but it was her disorganization. She was not organized at paying her bills on time. And so things fell through the cracks and they turned our power off. So when I was this specific day, I actually had finals and I was studying and I went out to the streetlight and used that to read my book. And that I just remember being very upset and angry. And I just remember thinking this will never happen to me. And it wasn't that I was like upset overall, like I was like, I just know that this is not going to happen to me. I, I don't know if that was like the beginning of this or what, but of course, once I became an adult, 
I did get into debt. I didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know any of these things. So I started falling into the same patterns that I saw my mom, right? I was starting to pay things late. I was ruining my credit. I was, it was just one thing after another. I'm a teen mom. So I had my son at 16. And so there were a lot of those things and hardships that we went through. And, and I just remember thinking there's gotta be a way out of this. And I didn't learn anything for years until 2010. My son was at the time nine. And I just remember I came across this budgeting class at our church and I'm like, I just want to go. I just want to go and see if this helps me or not. And my husband was completely against it. Like, no, we don't need to. We're fine. And I'm like, no, we should go. And so finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks of begging him to just join me, he did. And that's when I started learning little things. And then that just ignited something in me that I was like, nobody is teaching this in our community. Like, right. It's, oh my gosh. So I'm just going to stop you really quick because I want to ask a couple of questions based on what you said, but I, not only is anybody teaching this in this community, but this is not something that's necessarily, it's not taught in schools. So previously we had uh, Miss B Helper on as well, and she's been working on getting financial literacy taught in schools because this is not, not only is it not taught in schools, but when it comes to communities that are within communities of color, right, it really isn't taught. So you tend to repeat the same patterns over and over. I remember when we were little and we would see, or I was little, I can't speak for my sisters, I would see my mom writing checks. and if my mom would say, we didn't have money. I'd be like, write a check because nobody explained. I'm like, just write a check. You have checks. To me, checks meant money, right? She would just write a check. Now, I don't think anybody writes checks anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're, I don't know. You still write checks? Maybe that's a good, okay, I we'll do, get to that. I we'll do occasionally. But she did say like, my first inkling was you have to have money to in your bank to write a check because when you write a check, it goes to your bank and comes out of your bank account. And I was probably in like elementary school, maybe late elementary school when she told me this. So that was my first thing into it because, and I, at that, she tried to explain it to me as elementary, no pun intended as possible, but that was kind of my first thing in regards to it. Now, let me ask you, because I do find this sometimes happens and maybe because you were a teen mom, I feel like you have, like there's extra layers to this, right? My first job was when I was 15 years old. I was a cashier at Target or Target, if you want to be fancy. And that's when my I opened up my first account, my first bank account. Man, I was so stingy with my money because then it was my money, right? I didn't want to spend my money. I wanted to spend my parents' money. If you had a job, obviously, most of it, that's going towards your son. But when you became a mom at such a young age, did you start looking at money differently? Because anything that you got, I'm sure was going to your son. I didn't really see money differently as far as like, I would spend it as soon as I would get it, girl. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm making money now. Like I would make sure, of course, he had his diapers and his wipes. And, you know, my husband at the time wasn't earning much, but with the little bit that we both made, we made ends meet. And then the rest, we would just blow it. We didn't know where it was going because nobody taught us how to organize ourselves. And even though we were making much at the time, I think I was making like, I don't know, maybe $8 an hour. And he was making maybe 12 back in 2001, 2002, when he was born. It, it was, it was a little bit, we weren't making much. And so it would go quickly. You think about that, right? And as teenagers, we want to spend money. Like you're like, oh, money, I'm rich, right? We think, oh, we're rich with $1,500 a month, which that wouldn't even pay like barely half my rent. Well, it'll pay half more than half my rent at this point, but that's all. It would barely pay like a little bit more than half my rent and that's it. So going through that, obviously you're saying you're spending money as quickly as it's going. It's coming in and going out like super, super quick. Fast forward nine years. And what was it that at what moment when this epiphany came, when you're like, I am doing the same damn thing 
and we can't do this. Seeing something is one thing, right? But that comes after the epiphany because your your husband wasn't ready to see that. And he was saying we're okay. So what was that moment for you that you were like, crap, I don't want to repeat the same cycle? I think we, at the time in 2010, we had our first home. We had just bought it in 2008. So we didn't have not even two years in our house. And we were so stressed out with our mortgage payment. And that that was like the one thing that when I look back, we weren't ready to buy a home. Nobody told us all the expenses that come along with buying a home. And so I was stressed because I was the one that was handling most of the money matters. And he thought we were fine. Like you're doing just fine. Like everything's getting paid. But we were slowly accruing debt every single month. And he didn't realize that. Where was that debt coming from? From credit cards or from just regular household things? Where was that? Because I think that's where people are like, where should I spend my money? Where is this coming from? How can I do this? So obviously it starts it starts at some point, right? Yeah, I think that even before we had the house, we had a credit card for every single store you can think of. I mean, you name it. Macy's and Home Depot and all of them, right? So once we got the house and we had that mortgage payment of, I think at the time it was like $1,400 or $1,600, somewhere around there. And I just remember for our income, even then in 2010, it was just too much. It was 40% of our take-home pay. And that's when I saw that, when I learned about budgeting and like seeing what categories are out of whack. I was like, we can't afford this house. We just can't. We just can't keep going. And so we had to leave. We had to sell it. Really? Oh, my God. I can only imagine. I mean, I'll and I'll tell you some other stuff, you know, when we as we get more into everything. But I will say when I lived in Dallas, I was like, okay, I'm ready to buy a home. My parents were like, let us buy, let us put it under our name so we can get an additional write-off. They were in in California. I was living in Texas at the time. And when I got let go from work, it was becoming harder and harder. Or, and then I got another job where I was making a lot less money. It was becoming harder and harder to make those payments. My parents were helping me, but still now I'm like, oh my gosh, those payments were nothing, you know, like at that point. But it came to a point where we had to sell the house. And I felt like me personally, I felt like such a loser. I know. It wasn't under my name. And that made me feel even worse because the house wasn't under my name. It was under my parents' name. And the fact we had to do a short sale too. Yeah, so did we. Yeah, and it was around 2010. Uh, Yeah, I think it was around 2010, 2011. 2010 actually. And I felt like the biggest loser. I think at that point, the combination was like the combo because they had a first and a second on the house was like less than $900. The mortgage was less than $900. I think of that now and I'm like, oh my gosh. No, but when you're in the thick of it and your salary just doesn't match up and the numbers just don't make sense, like, yeah, we look at it now, but things have gone up too. Our salaries have probably increased over time and we might look back, but girl, that was over 10 years ago. Yeah, that's great now, but then we we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of that. Like I was hard, but I think before I sold, so I learned to budget in 2012. I'm sorry, in 2010. By 2012, I remember thinking like, we're going to be fine by 2014. Once we paid off all the debt in 2012, I I remember the last payment we ever did for debt was in February of 2012. That's when we paid everything off. And then I said, we just need two years. So we stayed in an apartment. So we sold the house. We stayed in an apartment for two years and we just saved as much as we could. And we were just like head down, working hard over time. And during the time, the 17 months that we were getting out of debt, my husband had a second job. So he was delivering pizzas at night, coming home from his day job, and he would put on his uniform and go deliver pizzas in our neighborhood. And I wanted him close in case I needed something with the kids. I just remember thinking like, this is just short term. Like, let's just pay this off. Let's buckle down. 
where we're in the middle of trying to sell the house, we were focused on saving up as much as we could. And then in 2014, we were able to get the house we live in now. So first of all, I think there should be a limit, especially when you're like from age 18 to 25. There literally needs to be a cap of how many credit cards you're able to have. Because obviously when you hit 18, you're officially an adult and there's so many predatory things that happen with credit cards on campus. I think it should be like a max. You can only have three credit cards and they can maybe not exceed a certain, maybe a thousand dollars or a hint. You know what I mean? Like, because like you said, from the very beginning, these are not things that are taught. These are not things that are taught in high school. And if you come from a family that again, a low income family or a family that's families that majority consist of people that come from communities of color, these are not things that are taught. And it tends to become cyclical, like you were saying for yourself, right? And I've done that myself. I've gotten myself into a lot of debt. I finally got to a point, right, where I was good. And then even now, when I lost my my job back in May, I've had enough to sustain. Thankfully, I have my fiance who's been helping, but I've had enough to pay my bills and keep my credit intact. But it's been hard even just to do that because if I didn't, I would be paying these things off at the end of the month, right? And it's still accruing interest and it, everyone increases interest that increases your payments because you're not, I'm not able to pay as much as I normally would. I mean, even now it freaking sucks. You were ready to make that change, but your husband wasn't. I've met your husband. He's such a sweet guy. So what was it like at that made him like for, I'm just going to say this, Antonio has been so open because we've, we want to buy a house, right? We want to buy a house. I lost my job. So, cause what we were doing was he was just giving me rent, like full rent. And I was putting that in savings, mm-hmm. right? Then I lost my job and we were getting married. So we're like, we know we're not going to move right now. We're like, okay, we're going to use some of that money for our wedding because we don't want to go into debt for a wedding. I've seen it too many times with too many people, right? What are the things that you have seen with your clients? And I'm going to go back to your story, but it just makes me think of the things that I've seen people get in debt for, right? Like if I see somebody driving a $50,000 car and live in an apartment, I'm like, what is wrong with you? I think those are personal choices, though. People have different priorities. Okay, yeah, I was fully judging. I'm not going to lie. I was fully judging. I'm not going to lie. I was like, if somebody's, I don't want to have a 50,000. Same with like not going into debt for a wedding. I don't want to do that. I don't want to start my life like that. I think it's smart. I think personal finances are personal. And that's what I really try to just stick to. The, The part of... Living a debt-free lifestyle is, for me, it's been the wisest thing for me to do because it's helped me just focus on the next thing, which is building wealth. But you can't, you can still build wealth while you're in debt. It's just harder. For me, it worked that I was able to eliminate it and then not think about it anymore and not have the stress that comes with it. So when I see that there's differences, like for example, When I see some categories like they have two cars and they add up to $100,000 of debt, just two cars, and you have an income of maybe $100,000, like those things just don't match. And so I'll call that out like, hey, you have enough, you earn $100,000 and that's how much you're in debt. Like this is going to take you X amount of months based on your lifestyle. And so I love giving like the debt free projected date based on somebody's budget and just how they live because a budget sometimes people forget like they'll list all their bills but then they don't put in life life happens you still Mm -hmm. need clothes you still need food you're still gonna eat out whether you like it or not you still have to have a life and those are the things that people forget to put into their budget Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. I want to go back to because I just totally went on a tangent. Sorry. We do that often here. What convinced your husband that you needed to go take this class? Girl, 
I had the biggest fight with him. I'm not lying. I had the biggest argument with him. I remember it so vividly. We were in the old house and I just was like, you have to come. And we just fought for hours until I told him, I said, this is not negotiable. Like you need to come with me. And I remember it being really loud, to be honest. It was not an easy conversation, but I was ready to fight. Look, this is important. We have little kids. We're stressed. You have no idea how much you owe. I started the conversation with that. Like you have no idea how much we owe. And the good thing is that after that first class, he was sold. Like he was like, I'll go to the first one. Fine. Like that's how even still, like once he agreed, he still was like, whatever. My president. Yeah. Like I'm just doing this because. Because I don't want to fight. Marriage. <laughs> I was like, ready, girl. I was so bad. Was you so drew bad. the line in the sand. I mean, look, I get it. And that's what, like, what do they say? The number one fight within couples, the number one cause of divorce is finances. I never got it until recently, right? Because we are under a lot of stress with the wedding and with being basically a one-income household right now. Although Antonio makes enough money that pays for our bills and our rent, it becomes stressful not having that second income. It becomes like when we used to have, because I still have bills and he doesn't, like I've not asked him to help pay for my car or my credit cards or anything like that. Cause thankfully I've had some money to be able to like sustain, but that's running out. I'm not gonna lie. Like that's running out. And I think a lot of people have run into that situation and that's obviously why we're having this conversation because that happens. And I know what it's like, like, you know what it's like. I know what it's like, it's not like we're jumping and saying, oh, yay, all is well and good in the world. No, it fucking sucks. <laughs> it's it hard, sucks. especially when you're right in the middle of it. It's so hard. My hat's off to you. Like, I'm so sorry that it's been really difficult. Well, you know what? I'm going to yeah. share something that my friend said that I think, because it was so helpful to me. And then I shared it with Antonio and my friend Courtney, like most level-headed person I know. She was like, you have to remember you're fighting the problem, not each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and right now our challenge is the finances. So we have to focus on that. And how do we get out of that? And how do we do that? Not instead of turning on each other, right? What was kind of those things that maybe... Obviously, I'm sure you use those in your principles in regards to helping others get out of debt that you were taught. And what what are the things that you've been able to expand on as you become even more knowledgeable? Because this is now what almost, this is 14 years ago you went through this class. So obviously you got yourself out of this situation and you've, I'm sure you're continuing to learn more and more. Are those base things still the same that you help other people with, the things that you learned in 2010? I would say the majority of it, yes, because some of the principles are pretty standard, like making sure that you live within your means and that your categories are not out of whack and outside of what is recommended. I would say I created my own strategies as far as budgeting. Like, for example, I was taught to do a zero-based budget. That didn't work for me. There what does were, that mean, a zero-based so budget? So a zero-based budget means that like you plan out the money that you receive and then you have to put a name to every dollar that you earn so that like you spend it all on paper before you earn it. That didn't work for me. That whole philosophy, and I was like, this, this doesn't make sense to me because I have littles and littles need things all the time that I just can't plan for. So how do I navigate the areas that I don't see coming. And so I had to kind of rethink of my spreadsheet and I created my own spreadsheet because I was like, I can't find something that works with what my brain is needing. And so because I love Excel, I was like, I'm just going to create my own spreadsheet. So my strategy is I don't just plan this month. I plan like a whole year. I no joke. I have 2025 already in a template. I can see. Um. <laughs> I know. 
I'm a little I bit. Know, I aspire I'm to that. Small. I'm not going to lie. Right now, I do have a spreadsheet, but yeah. mine is month to month. So we're we and week to week. Okay. Month. So yeah. like at the end of each week, I put what my balance is. And then I have the formula of what bills need to be paid that week. And then at the end of the week, I still know what my balance, like what is still my balance after paying all those bills for the week. Okay. So I do have that because then I know, okay, I still have money if I want to go out to dinner, or, you know, so that gives me that. But I have, we don't have littles in the traditional sense. We have littles as fur babies. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like, we don't know. Something happens over the summer, I think right around Denver, right before it, after I can't remember, my dog had to have surgery. That was not expected. I have a credit card just for the dogs. Literally, that's the only thing it gets used for is for the dog's vet and medical stuff. That's it. But you don't, you never know. And then when we had to finally put him down in November, like that was another unexpected expense that we didn't know we were going to have. Yeah. So I get like, you, you're right. You have to plan for just life because I wouldn't be able to just say, oh, all this is going to happen. Right. You don't know. Yeah. It's hard to plan for what you don't know, but I started seeing patterns in the last, I mean, I've been budgeting for almost 14 years. Like I started seeing patterns like every summer when the kids were in elementary, I had to pay for summer camp. There were things that I was able to do in advance because I was planning so far ahead. So like, for example, when we first got on this conversation, I was like, hey, I'm thinking podcast movement already in August. And it's not that I want to already go and like pay for that. I just want to be able to have an awareness of what that's going to cost me mm-hmm. so that I can decide whether I should go this year or not. So there's a lot of little things where I'm a natural planner by just how I am, how I'm wired. So it just helps really think about do I want this? Or if something comes up, oh, is that a better choice? So then you can make the choices yourself. So at what point did you decide you take this class, you do these things, and then you're like, you know what? I think I have a responsibility to help my community. Yes. What was that for you, that moment? Okay, so in 20, I'm trying to think what year it was, 20... 13 around there was when I discovered there was such a thing as a financial coach. And the reason was because I came across one that was charging $200 an hour. And I was like, I am in the wrong business. I was working at channel five here (laughs) in Phoenix. And I was like, I'm making $19 an hour here and I need to be making 200. (laughs) And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, there's such a thing. And I remember forwarding that to my sister and just saying like, I am in the wrong business. And so that was the first like, okay, I want to do something like this. But I wasn't able to because I have a family and I have to work and I need my benefits. So fast forward a couple of years in 2017. So this was years later. I was fed up and burned out at my job. I hated my job at Cox Media. And I don't care. I'm going to just say it. Um, girl, finally, somebody name, blo- name drops. Okay. <laughs> How many times say, oh, I don't want to say, girl, say it. I hated my job. <laughs> and it wasn't because I hated what I did because I actually enjoyed my job. It was my boss who I hated and she was just evil. And People so quit because of jobs, they quit because of bosses. That's right. Mm-hmm, 100%. So in 2017 was when I was like, I need to quit for my mental health. Like it was no longer about like, I hate it. It was affecting me and my health. And so I quit my job and we had my emergency fund fully funded. So I'm like, okay, as soon as I'm going to take the summer off, my husband's like, take the summer off, enjoy with the kids. and then. Once they go back to school in August, start looking for a job. And I was like, okay, deal. So I did that. I got the job that I have now. And during the time that I was off with the kids, I started researching how do I become a financial coach? So I went through the training. I got certified by the December of 2017. I finished the program. 
And I had started my job that that I'm currently at in my day job. And I just remember thinking like, if I could just kick this off, like if I could just make this work, honestly, it's been really difficult to make a full-time income. So I still have my day job. But I, thank you for saying that because it is very difficult. Like, I think people think, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Oh, yay. Like, it can take a long time. And like, so thank you for saying that. Yeah. And at first, when I quit my job in early 2017, I remember thinking, I'm going to make this work. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, I'm never going to have to go back to work in August, like he said, when the kids go back to school. Like, that's not going to happen. And I just remember having this awesome belief in myself. And then it got really difficult. And so when, once August came around, I was like, I need a job. This is drying up. It's drying up the savings. It's, it's hard. Like, I don't want to completely dry it up. Push comes to And get back life. into the situation you worked so hard to get out of. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I have to go back to work. So I actually started part-time. So I started working at this agency, an employment agency, part-time. So I started in August. Come February of 2018, they offered me a full-time position. And so that was really nice because I kind of eased back into work. And that really helped with my mental health because that was really struggling. Like I felt like a failure, like, wow, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and I failed. And it wasn't that I failed. I just didn't give it enough time. Even now, like I feel like now I've kind of had a paradigm shift in that I'm not in a rush to leave my day job because I have now a different position that I really love and I have an amazing boss. So I have like no, nothing pressuring me to leave anymore. Like it's so different. I mean, although my goal is to be a financial coach full-time and to have my business full-time, I don't have a date in mind. Yeah, I'm just waiting for things to kind of work their way up to where I can have a full-time income. Oh my God. I so feel what you're saying. Maida, I'm not even kidding because obviously when I got laid off at my fiance was like, work on your podcast, work on these things, like see what happens. And, you know, I took the podcast on tour and, 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 but the thing is, is that we didn't have any sponsors. We had in-kind sponsors, which was amazing and awesome and so appreciated. And I was selling tickets, but Oftentimes there's money involved, right? I have to pay for the venue. I have to pay. Thankfully, I have such amazing relationships with these Latino-owned wine brands that they donated wine so they could share it with other people in different parts of the country. Man, it was just amazing to have that. But I still, you know, the cheese part of the chisme, I still had to pay somebody to create the cheese and charcuterie, right? I still had to fly. And besides LA, that's still gas. I still had to fly somewhere. I still had to, you know, there were still costs associated that weren't recouped, right? A lot more was going out than coming in. So now I've been looking for a job because I, again, I told the same thing. We're planning a wedding and I only have so much money in my account. I don't want to go to a point where we're like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I get that. And it's a really hard realization to come to no matter the age. Obviously, when you're older, I feel like it's more of a kick in the ass for you because you're just like, wait, I shouldn't be here at this age. This shouldn't be happening. And I think so many of us think that, right? Like this should not be happening to me, but things happen. Companies shut down or companies are reorged or something happens and and the foundation that you're standing on all of a sudden gets wiped out. When you're saying this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally feel feel that. One thing that we were talking about in Denver was the different things that you've used and what worked and didn't work because a lot of these programs that you see are not geared for us. They're not geared. They're so we were talking about Dave Ramsey. You said you tried it, but you were saying some things worked and some things didn't. Obviously, everybody is different. But for you and what you found for you and your clients, what have you found that works and maybe you've adopted? And what are the things that you're like, this does not work for me or my clients? So Dave Ramsey has the baby steps and he's talking to a, I'm gonna be honest, a white audience. He doesn't see how difficult it is 
for the black and brown communities. It's one of those things where I couldn't relate to some of the things that he would say. Like, for example, I was taught to, you know, you don't lend people money. You don't this, you don't that. And it's like, well, in our community, we take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I want to give them money. But one thing I did adopt was if I'm going to lend somebody money, I'm just going to give it to them if I can just give it to them. Like, I don't want to have that loan. So I understood that philosophy that he had. And I was like, okay, I can adopt that. But at the same time, my parents, I grew up seeing my dad send money to Mexico. And I saw that all of my childhood. And so if it wasn't because my dad would send money, my, my grandmother in Guadalajara was not able to survive. There are things like that, that Dave Ramsey never touches on. And so when I'm coaching families and I'm seeing these immigrant families that are sending money in Mexico, like how do you prioritize in your budget, right? There's things like that, that just, he doesn't relate to us. Like he doesn't get us. And so there were a lot that I did take, like, for example, he does the whole zero base budget. Like, dude, I can't do that. I have too many things that just come up in my life that I just can't plan every single penny and give it a name. Like, that's just not how it works for me. I do like the paying off debt before you invest, but I now understand that that's not necessary, that you can invest while you get out of debt. You can because it's a long run. Like when compound interest and you're making investments, the sooner you can do it, the better it is for you because it's a long game. So like there's things like that that just mathematically don't work regardless of what he's saying. Like he's a guru and I respect him and I learned a lot from him. But I was like, because at one point you were like working. I don't know, not necessarily working for him, but definitely was, work. Yeah, ahead, I was working for. The, the guy that has the rights to Dave Ramsey in Spanish right. and his name is Andres Gutierrez. So he teaches exactly what Dave Ramsey does on Spanish radio across the nation. That is so really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So, so those were the exact families that I was helping, right? Like I'm financially, I'm coaching them financially on their personal. And all of these were immigrant families that were only speaking Spanish. And I'd be like, I get it. Like I get what you're trying to do, I get that you're sending money to Mexico and that's a priority to you. And don't worry, like I get that. So we're going to mm -hmm. put this in here. So there's a lot of things like that that I'm like, this doesn't make sense to us. So the next question I have is people might say, like, I'm going to go back to when you were saying that lady making $200 an hour. I need to get out of debt. I can't afford $200 an hour. What the heck? How is somebody ex expecting me to pay $200, like that's going to put me more into debt. When you're dealing with people who don't have necessarily, they want to get debt free so they can free up money so they can. How do you work? Because you're, you work with a lot of immigrant families. You were, you very specific in regards to helping the Latino community get out of debt. How does that work? Because it feels like almost an oxymoron, right? Pay me to help you get out of debt. It does. And that's where I had a lot of mindset blocks when I first started. Now, do I charge $200 an hour? I don't. I can't. And I know that that's a whole mindset block that a lot of people have still told me, like you still have blocks and I get it. But when I see somebody's budget and I see they might make a modest income, like I just want to help. I cannot in my conscience, like charge $200 to my community an hour. I can't. And I know a lot of people do. And I know that there's a lot of coaches that make up to $300 an hour. I don't. And I'm okay with that. Where do you tell people or where do you start? Like if somebody's like, whether they want to work with you, whether they want to work with somebody else or whether they're like, you know what? I just need to kind of start on my own, but I don't know where to start. Okay. So I have a easy budget sheet that you can download and it has all the categories that you can spend your money on. You, most families use, you know, those main categories. I would say plan it out on paper in that budget spreadsheet or any piece of paper and see one, how much money you have, how much money goes out, and if there's anything left over. If there is, then you have to also in your budget 
plan out life. So food, groceries, gas, utilities, all the little variables, right? Like all the utilities vary month to month. Clothing. And if you can wait on clothing for a little bit, like if you know that you're good for the next season, then suck it up and don't spend there. But you have to get organized. You cannot pay out of, get out of debt without getting organized. And that's like 101. Mm-hmm. Now, what would be the next thing? I would try to find ways to either, and I would do both. I would do, where can you cut? Can you cut the cable? Can you shop for insurance? Can you, where can you save? And two, how can you earn more? So like in our case, my husband got a second job. I started couponing. I was an extreme couponer back in the day. So I started doing things because I couldn't leave the kids after work. And I didn't want to leave the kids after work. Like, how can I help my family earn money or save money? And so for me, I had a closet full of detergent, shampoo, all the toiletries you can think of. And I was getting them for pennies on the dollar. So I learned that skill so that I could help my family. And it was like, what can you do? There's so many things that you can do. Is it going to take time? Yeah. Are you going to have to sit down and turn off your phone and turn off your TV so you can sit down for an hour and organize yourself? Yeah. Is that hard? Yes, it's hard. It's really hard. But let's talk about the hard. Is it hard living the way you're living? So pick your heart, right? Girl. Ooh, girl. I want to be like, yes, praise Jesus. <laughs> no, but it, it's. It, it's so true. It's so true. And that's like almost everything in life, right? You, we got, we, we pick our heart because not life is not easy. Life is unpredictable and all of these things. So we need to pick like where our priorities are. And, and that's, I love that. Now, do you still credit? Because obviously credit becomes part of all of that. Mm-hmm. Living debt-free, does that necessarily mean you don't have credit cards or is it paying them off at the end of the month. Okay. So I have credit because I have my mortgage. I choose not to use credit cards. Do I have one? I have one. And the reason why I have one is because I feel like I didn't want to close it. And I know that that could ding my credit. And I was like, no, I don't need to close it. So I just leave it. Do I use it? Oh, gosh maybe for a car rental one time and then we just paid it off right away. Like I know that a credit card makes it easy to travel. And so that's the only reason why I kept it open because when we do travel, we may put a car rental or a hotel on it and then we just paid it off right away. I don't even wait for the damn stupid statement. I honestly don't. Like I just see it and I'm like, okay, I just need to pay that off. And What's difficult is like, I have traveled without my credit card. And I know like a lot of people say like, it's not a big deal. I just don't want you to pull a $500 deposit on a hotel because it's a debit card. Like, I think that's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Like if you're responsible and if you trust yourself, like great. If you don't, then it's kind of like, I've talked about this on my podcast about like, if you cannot control the credit card spending. If you have an issue, like, let's just say you have an addiction. If you know that having that accessible is a temptation and that it's going to set you back, don't do it, right? You know what I do, like, with my credit cards? I'm like, okay, I don't need to use this one right now. Or I've been keeping, like, a reoccurring payment so then I can pay it off. But if, like, I'll pull them out of my wallet and they'll still have them, but then I don't have them on me. I'll pull them out of my wallet and they're like, somewhere else, like I'll put them somewhere else in the house or something. Or even if I, whatchamacallit, scissors, not scissors, cut them up or whatever, because then I can like, I still have something charging to them that gets paid off. Now I have used them more because obviously with during the, while I was traveling and stuff, I'm still paying some of that stuff off. I'm not gonna lie. Like I do have debt, Um, but I definitely try not to use them often. Or I use them for the reoccurring payments so I can 
payoff. And that has helped. And my fiance and Antonio has been so great about, like he just started getting credit cards. He only has two, but he pays them off every month. And his credit is starting to rise because of that. Because we know in order to get a house, especially right now in this day and age that we're in, our credit has to be good. And that is what we're using to be able to, for both of us, like my, mine's pretty good. His is, we're still working on his, but in order for us to buy a house, we have to use those, the tools that we're given to use in order to do that. For sure. And see, that's why also when we talk about credit, I talk about what are your goals? If your goal is to buy a house, then we need to work on the credit. And so those are like things that go against what I was taught, right? Like if we think of Dave Ramsey and the things I was taught initially back in 2010, he says like, no, that's not an option. We should do manual underwriting. And it's like, do you know how hard that is? Like, that's not normal for us black and brown people. Like, this is why I like to have these conversations. This is why it doesn't like, it just does not align with us. Yeah. But also he's like a millionaire. And I feel, uh, you know, I don't know where, I don't know what his story is. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what his story is. I don't know where he came from, but I will say there are certain opportunities that are afforded to people that don't have a last name like Yanez, like Garcia, like Dominguez, or who's not named Dewan or Dwayne or any of those types of names that people like, whether we like it or not, people associate certain things with name, with the color of your skin, with your accent. That's just the reality, right? Should it be? No, but it is. And with that comes certain things that people will never experience and never see because they've never had to experience that. Right. That's so true. Because believe me, I've talked about this before. I haven't talked about it in a while. You know, with my last name, I've had people... Like I've gone to interviews and I, somebody, I'm like, who, I can't believe you're out here even saying this. Now I walked out because I was like, I'm not interviewing for this place where they're like, they said my full last name and they're like, does this person even speak English? Oh my God. Me muero. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, I will no longer be interviewing for this position. Yeah, they have the audacity to like, I mean, can you just keep that to yourself? You can think it all you want. Don't say that out loud. Like have some filters. Yes, it's, ooh. Well, I I mean, you know, one of the things I always ask is what your why is. And I love, you're very direct and to the point of helping create more debt-free Latinas and families because you know how hard it is and how stressful it can be to have a lot of debt. and. It helps. Like you said, you don't have to be out of debt to invest, but it definitely helps. Like every penny that you have, I've almost feel like every penny that you're able to save is like an ease of mind, mm-hmm. right? Every and self will thank you. Huh? Your future self will thank you. Yeah. Well, my future self is going, girl, what have you got yourself into right now? (laughs) That's my present self. I have to tell you, you know, we've had this conversation and I feel like I'm so grateful that you are so transparent that when I've had these conversations with other people, there is so much shame and there's so much like just added weight that I'm so glad that you're so honest with your audience and with me because there's no need to have shame. Like some of these things we weren't taught, like we weren't shown how to do these things. Like we can't blame ourselves. Like there's gaps that our families had. And unfortunately they weren't able to teach us these things, but you know what? They brought us to this country and we're able to learn here and we can move forward. Like there's no need to like get stuck in the, I, well, what now? It's like, no, there's a lot. I mean, if you're breathing, you can (laughs) achieve your goals. Like it's just a matter of getting organized. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that it doesn't like, it's it's not easy to admit these things. Right. But I don't want to lie. I don't want to pretend that I'm like living this life that I'm not. Right. Because I think we we see people on social media doing all of these amazing things. And I've and I have 
done those things as well, right? I've, I traveled a lot last year, um, taking the podcast on tour and going to podcast movement where we finally got to meet each other in person and, and doing these. And like I said, now planning for a wedding and I've gone through, I feel this is not the first time I will say this when I was younger, I went through a very, very hard time. And I even told you like with the house and stuff and, and going through a hard time and not gonna lie. I feel like this should not be happening now. Right. But this is the circumstance. There's also been, it's also like an extenuated circumstance because we knew what we were going into. We just didn't think that it was going to take both of us. We just didn't think it was going to take this long. Right. Like we're both part of the Latina Podcasters Network. In 2022, it was a great year for us mm-hmm. in Latina Podcasters. 2023, not so great. Nope. If it would have been equivalent, I would be talking about a totally different situation right now. 100%. And it's not. Again, I'm not going to lie. It sucks being in that position. And it sucks like having to go through that. And especially when you've prepared yourself. And thankfully, like I said, thankfully I've had some money so I can continue to pay my bills. So I can continue to do that. But like I said, before that money runs out, I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I have a lot of irons in the fire. I have, whether it's, you know, looking for a job, having interviews, whether it's doing other things with the podcast, what else can I do in regards to bringing in some income? I'm looking at all of the things, right? Because I'm not content with, I don't want to go into that situation. It's hard right now, but we're not in an unbearable place. And I think that that's why I'm being honest because I know I'm probably not the only one who's going through that or who feels that. And that's why it's so bad. I wanted you to come on, especially at the beginning of the year when everybody's like, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to invest. I'm going to this and that. But we've talked so previously, we've talked so much about investing and in generalities talked about getting out of debt, but not talk so specific. And I knew like, you're not an investing coach. You're somebody who's like, let's help you get out of debt. And I think that part is so important because even if you decide to never invest, which I hope you do, like I need to do more of that. I'm not, again, not gonna lie. But for me, my number one priority is getting out of debt, especially with the situation that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. I just want everybody to know, like the theme of this year of 2024 is it's never too late. Nope. It's never too late to work on your finances. It's never too late to start saving. It's never too late to get out of debt. It is not hopeless. Like no matter what, it is not hopeless. Even when we think it is, because I've been in the pit of despair and thinking nothing was ever going to work out, but you stay in that pit too long, then you become buried in it and you can't get out. So you have to look forward and you have to find like, how can I get out of this? And if you have that hope, if you have that inkling little bit, then you can do it. Yes. And look at it as a journey. It's just a journey. You'll get through it. And it will, might suck. But it, I think I, the biggest thing is if you're willing, you, it can happen. But right. I think if you're not willing to, then nothing changes, right? Then you're going to stay in the situation. But if you're willing, then there, you'll find a way. Yes. How can people, if people want to work with you, Maida, it's already, I can't believe it's already been like an hour. <laughs> um, how can they, you have debtfreelatina.com. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, you're debtfree.latina. Correct. And then remember that budget sheet I told you about? Uh-huh. You can get it at debtfreelatina.com forward slash budget. You can just get it, download it and start using it. Use it. Use it. Do something. Like you said, if you're not organized, that's you. That's where you need to start. Just get organized. That's step one. Yeah. And I invite anyone that's interested in learning more about financial coaching to book a 15 minute discovery call on my website. Is there anything else? Like I know we've kind of just gone and we can't go over everything because that would, would be here for like hours and hours. But is there anything like maybe I haven't asked or anything that you want to add before we journey uh, off? I just want to say that there is hope and that regardless of how much you owe, it's possible to get out of that and have peace. And I just want to say like living a debt-free lifestyle really 
relieves a lot of stress. So that's why I push the lifestyle, the whole like staying out of debt, because it really helps you like not have that added burden. So I just want to encourage everybody like you can do it. Just keep going. (laughs) You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Maida, thank you so much for for sharing your story, for sharing a couple of tools, for listening to me, all of the things. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to like see you in person again, because obviously I told you earlier, we're doing it. We're going on tour again and we're going to hit Phoenix Phoenix in September. So I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I had fun. Oh, thank you so much. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.